0: Welcome to Before You Go podcast. My name is Alex, and I'm here with Jed Manders, pastor in Manitowoc, Wisconsin. Last week, if you listened, or I should say our last show was on gaslighting, and today we kind of wanted to follow up with that on uh, what it's like to follow a narcissistic leader within the church context. And again, that's our, the context of our, our whole show, Before You Go, the idea of before you leave the church. So we want to talk about that. Jed?
1: Alex, thank you for catching us up, and again, uh, we realized before we even begin this episode that we want to continue to encourage people to process through different situations and scenarios that have caused them pain, which have wanted uh, led them to want to leave the church, and really, um, we know there's a huge hindrance when people leave uh, church, We when, when they leave being around other uh, believers. It allows them to be isolated, uh, tends to uh, hinder spiritual growth. It does not tend to foster. In fact, I don't even know if I can think of a situation where as someone has walked away from the church ministry, they have fostered their own spiritual development. Um, and so we want to really process through this delicately. And that said, we do know that there is a darker side to um, sometimes the, the way that churches ex- function um i'm just trying to process it even as i talk about it because these are some of the components that i don't like to address i, I don't think alex you enjoy indre- uh, addressing them either you know by and large we would love to believe that the church is uh, a healthy organism that functions uh, exceptionally well all the time and unfortunately that's just not true there are people who find their way into positions of leadership, who develop influence, who then steward that in a way that really directs a focus on them. And as we continue this conversation, as Alex was talking about, uh, we want to first define what narcissism means. Um, I know that there are many definitions that could be given. In fact, depending on where you look, you may have a different one and for the for the sake of clarity for this show what we want to do is just give a definition that we're going to be working off of today Uh, but again we realize your definition may not look the same we totally understand that we're not saying that this is the only definition but by definition a narcissist is a person who has an excessive interest in or admiration of themselves so it's a person who's very interested in themselves or who has deep admiration toward themselves. Essentially, they believe the world revolves around them. Now, the reason I want to launch into this kind of delicately is because if we're honest, I think that we would all admit, or at least most of us would admit, there are tendencies that all of us have where we are interested in ourselves, and we wouldn't want to say excessively, however that happens. And there are times where we all act as if the world revolves around ourselves. So Alex, just kind of like launching into this slowly, uh, what are your thoughts um, a- a- about that?
0: Yeah, so the idea of narcissism, I think you defined it well there. Uh, and narcissism being kind of the opposite of humility. And we see humility perfectly exemplified in Christ. And I think Paul gives, a, maybe this will flesh things out a little bit more uh, in Philippians chapter 2, a fantastic passage on humility. And so think of narcissism, a narcissistic leader, a narcissistic pastor, Sunday school leader, small group leader, whatever. Um, the opposite of that. And so like Paul says in Philippians 2, uh, so if there's any comfort or any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind and the same love being in full accordance of one mind. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. And so we see there this narcissistic leader uh, does a lot from the self-centered ambition, this conceit. They don't count others more significant than themselves, that they are the most significant. They are the one. Paul goes on, let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. There, again, the narcissistic leader does the opposite, where they, they only care about them, what their goals are, what their interests. They're looking to build up themselves. And then Paul goes into, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And that beautiful section about Jesus Christ, how he came down from heaven, that he became uh, a servant, even death on the cross, and how God will exalt him in the end because of that. And so we get the narcissistic leader within the context of the church. Again, elders, pastors, deacons, Sunday school leaders, small group leaders, uh, church, uh, kids ministry director, whoever it is, this narcissistic leader. Who does not count others more important than themselves, who's looking up for a number one themselves within that context.
1: You know, I would even add to that, Alex, which um, the person who attends church, who doesn't like the way that things are going, who isn't a part of the solution, but just continues to talk about different problems that they don't, uh, that they have and different things that they don't agree with. And, you know, it's somebody who's even just attending, but they're only concerned about themselves. Um, I really love the way that you matched. Uh, you know, or put narcissism up against Jesus's humility and the way that Jesus lived his life. And as you were talking that through, I, I thought about that text, you know, where James and John's uh, mom goes to Jesus and, and Jesus is on his way to the cross and he's just gotten done telling them again, you know, Hey, I'm going to die for you. And basically, I mean, he's, he's, Jesus is living his earthly life ready to, um, you know, be the, the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And even then his disciples, the people who were closest with him, I mean, none of us have been closer to Jesus than his disciples. And as they're walking with Jesus, still they're thinking about, hey, how can I be at your right hand? How can I be at your left? Now, to me, I mean, obviously, those are people who had interests in, in themselves receiving benefit. Um, and And not only them, Alex, but the very uh, the other disciples they were upset because they all wanted that position as well and so i'm just thinking about like wow jesus versus narcissism um there's clearly a, a a contrast between the way that jesus calls us to live and and yet the way that our flesh our sinfulness um wants us to feed that side of things so i'm just thinking about that
0: yeah no that's a a, a great picture uh of- Jesus with his own disciples, that kind of context. But let's bring this into here, dear Jed. Dear, Um, our listeners are at a church. They have a leader who is um, seemingly narcissistic. How is that expressed? Like within, if you could give some, maybe hypothetical situations, how is that actually expressed in the the week-to-week, the day-to-day?
1: Well, great question. So first of all, some of the symptoms that a narcissist might have would be like an excessive need for affirmation or, you know, like them, them desiring to feel affirmed. Um, what happens then is they actually, without realizing it, tend to disregard others' feelings. Um, they're, they're uh, also uh, there's an inability to handle criticism. Um, there's a sense of entitlement. These are some of the symptoms. And so in the day-to-day church life, let's say like you, you propose. I think it's it's the small group leader who always wants to be told and affirmed how good they are as a group leader. Um, It's the one who fishes for the compliments consistently. It's the pastor who gets done preaching a message and you know he's he's really just asking the question, "Hey, what did you think of my sermon?" Um, You know, it's it's those are ways that narcissism shows up. Um, They're not really concerned about how you feel or what you're thinking. They're wanting you to validate or affirm. Or admire them. Those are some of the ways that it shows up. Um, it can show up in other ways too. Like I'll go back to the to the church attender who's maybe not even connected or serving. It's somebody who just shows up here and there, and they're they're like, "Hey, let me tell you what I think. Let me tell you what I think about you know the songs or the music or the preaching or the the way your welcome team is or maybe the grounds. Like what should or shouldn't change. There are people who are not concerned about how others feel they're only concerned about expressing their own feelings and they're only concerned with being validated so those are a couple of the ways that i would say that it shows up in, you know kind of just in church and i mean the truth is alex if we expanded that it's the same stuff that we see sometimes in our own homes it's the same stuff that we see at work it's the same stuff that we see um through different interactions all over the place but what are your thoughts and what would you add to that
0: i think that's good and i think uh we talked about this before in um, Diotrephes you may remember that name from a previous episode we did on a man that John references or brings up in his his third letter the third letter of John and just a brief note about him and he's like the epitome it seems like of a narcissistic leader uh, John writes I've written something to the church but Diotrephes who likes to put himself first he actually says that like that's literally what how we're kind of defining The narcissistic leader, he says, does not acknowledge our authority. So you got this uh, example of a narcissistic leader puts himself first and he doesn't acknowledge rightful authority, right? Whether it be uh, he doesn't uh, doesn't rightfully acknowledge the the elders or doesn't rightfully acknowledge what we see here, the, uh, the apostolic authority being like and you can think of God's word. That he doesn't put himself under God's word. And this is where it becomes very coupled with gaslighting. If you remember our, our conversation previously, this idea that they are the authority, that they are the ones that tells you how things actually happen. They tell you how things actually are while you're like, they're, while they're negating your experience or what you thought and just disregarding it because they are the authority and nothing's ever specific. It's always just addressing the, like attacking the character because they are the authority. And so you got that example with the atrophies. And he goes on, and how uh, a natural result of this is that the ultra feast divides. He's divided. He's trying to keep people out. He's dividing. This narcissistic leader doesn't unify in Christ in the truth; rather, he divides. And that's exactly what we see gaslighting. So, gaslighting and a narcissistic leader often, if not very very often, are coupled together.
1: Man, I just love so so much what you were just talking about, Alex. The two words that I grabbed out of that were authority and division. The narcissist does not acknowledge authority. And, you know, again, just kind of continuing to want to relate this back, because I do want our listeners to not only think about other people, or, you know, other people might come to their mind, but I want them to be self reflective as well, because that is really important. I mean, it isn't just uh, reflecting on other people, it's it's reflecting on how you think as well. That's why Jesus taught before you take the plank, excuse me, the speck out of somebody else's eye, make sure that you have the plank out of your own eye. And so there are, there are parts of this, like even Alex, as you talked about Philippians chapter two, Jesus, who's fully, uh, full who had full authority. I mean, on earth as he does currently in, in, in heaven, um, he still humbled himself to God whom he gave, um, the, the, that, that position of authority, God, the father, he said, Uh, so many times in John's gospel, I don't do anything except for what God tells me to do, but Jesus was able to be humble because he submitted to authority. And so where I'm going with that is when, when somebody is a narcissist, they don't submit to God's authority because it isn't about God. It's about them. When we don't submit to God's authority, it's not about God. It's about us. It's about us getting what we want. It's about us having an excessive interest in ourselves. And then you talked about division gaslighting and narcissism does breed division and and you know again if we want to be self-reflective that division even happens within ourselves and that's why whenever we act like that where when we act like a narcissist and we're only thinking about ourselves and and we're trying to follow Christ and we are divided there's this war that's happening within us and and I'm thinking man how relevant that is because that's why then we get so mad at ourselves because we feel like we're being divided and pulled apart and there's pain in that. And so nobody likes that. And I'm not saying that, you know, I want to just dismiss, um, you know, being in a situation where we're experiencing a narcissistic leader. That's not what I'm saying, but I do want us to at least first consider how there are some of those tendencies and traits within our own lives as well.
0: Yeah, that's so good. When you were talking there, I thought of, uh, a leader who sets up the church or whatever ministry they're running as almost a personality cult it's about them right it's all about them and i know that it never comes away that way it's always like a sanctified it's all about them right it's about them uh their influence being spread and rather than christ and i know that seems like a hard distinction to make but i think that comes across where it's it's always them being pushed their name being pushed rather than yeah We're here. We want to influence our community, but rather it's like them, their group that has to be the ones who are connected with it or their name tied to it. You know what I'm saying? Man, it's it's about them. It's their kingdom but not Christ. And I think of our example that we thought of someone else that people may be familiar. King Saul, uh, a guy who was very handsome, very good looking as the Bible describes him, tall guy. Like this was a man's man. And he did good in the beginning. He he followed, followed God in the beginning. But then it became clear that he, uh, one, you got him not fully obeying Samuel. Then you got him making a sacrifice that he ought not to and then trying to justify it to Samuel. And then when it was clear that God had anointed David to be king, Saul kept on trying to get rid of David, trying to attack David. And so you got this man, Saul, who's putting himself first, his kingdom, and not God's. Literally, that's literally what was going on there. So you got King Saul, this narcissistic leader.
1: That's so practical. Um, I, I loved every single thing that you were you saying about that. And, you know, particularly you thinking about how this happens in church or how it shows up in church, the person who is narcissistic, I, I'm sure they do not think that they're a narcissist. I'm sure they do not realize the blind spots that they have. And, and I do want to take, you know, a few minutes that we have to talk a little bit about that. Like Alex, okay, first of all, you know how then do we handle uh, situations where we're serving in a church or we attend a church and we have somebody who's in a position of authority or leadership who is a narcissist, or I should say, you know, to be maybe more gentle, they exhibit narcissistic tendencies. You know, what should we do? And um, I'm going to give the first thing that I would recommend, and and the first thing I'd recommend is do some self-examination because. That's one of the things that I've been, th- you know, we've been, as a as a, Alex and I've been talking this through, we've been wanting to invite people to do first, before you go to them, do some self-examination because um, there, is, there is so much value in repentance. Um, you know, when we have these traits in our own lives and we turn from them, we surrender them to God, what we do is we allow God to do a work within us. Now that opens up the opportunity then to have a conversation with someone who has these or who also has the the narcissistic tendencies, because here's what we can tell you for sure. Listeners, you will not be able to convince somebody who that they're a narcissist. It will take a work of the Holy Spirit to convict them to open up their eyes to see that. And so you do what's right in terms of search your own heart. Let God do a work in you. And then you'll be able to have a healthy conversation. But that's what I would say, first of all. So Alex, what would you add to that? Or what, what would be maybe step two?
0: That was so good. The idea that, hey, just like any other sin, you're not gonna be able to do it. You're not gonna be able to convince. Your persuasive smooth words is not gonna do it. It's the Holy Spirit. And so, no, I love that right in the beginning, that idea of, all right, first pray. Pray for yourself. And the idea of the, the um, looking at yourself, exposing yourself to God's word. Do I see this in me? Like we just said there about the the most quoted verse, do not judge. And it goes, why? Because first, um, see if the plank is in your eye and just the speck is in their eye. But other than, when you get to the point where you take the speck or the, the whole beam of your eye, then go and tell your, your brother. So it's not just don't judge ever, but rather first look at yourself. And I love that you said that. Preferably go. And then um, the idea here is to go to confront, not to make some kind of scene, like depose the person, but rather to the discipleship, like the confronting to build up. Like, hey, like, hey, Jed, like I, I see this going on. Some other people have experienced you this way. Uh, I'm just thinking this might be an area of, of opportunity to grow in. And I'm thinking like A, B and C, like this could be helpful and maybe you could have done it differently. And so not coming to to rip someone apart, but rather Hey, brother, I see this, this needs to change. So let's do this together. We, we, we need to work on this. And so this idea of building up. And then I, I, I when I was thinking about that, I thought about when Paul was telling Timothy about teaching, but he, he says, teach with all patience. They're not gonna get it just once. You gotta be patient. You gotta be patient with them as they work through this, this slow process of discipleship. And then honestly, um, for those listening who are in a, a really tough situation, if nothing's changing and it's wreaking havoc in different ways that's why uh church discipline is a huge factor and so going through that and how jesus lays out in, in matthew the idea of going to yourself bringing someone else and then bring it in front of the church if it comes to that point like this this isn't some kind of um far-fetched thing like this the idea of church discipline is an everyday thing like first it starts out just confronting someone if we love them we'll talk to them and so that is definitely conjoined in this. And I just want to follow up again with the idea of first examining ourselves. The James and John with the disciples, who is the greatest? If I'm not mistaken, that happened twice. It wasn't once. So they got like yelled at twice. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, this isn't a one time. Ah, they they were just being a bunch of boneheads. Now they're doing better. This happened twice. So the idea of you never arrive, you will never arrive. And so continuing to examine yourself, even for the sin of narcissism, the sin of pride, of not following the example of Christ and humility.
1: Alex, you know, just building on, you know, into what you were saying, I I want to go back to what you said. When we confront, it's the intention is to build up. Um, Another verse that we had marked to possibly bring up today was in Romans 12, verses three and four. And Um, What I like about that is it it really reminds us that we want to build up the body. And that's what this entire podcast platform is about. We want to invest into the church and not tear her down. The bride of Christ is way too costly, but you said we have to be patient, man. When you said that, like I, I actually was convicted to the core because I am not by nature, a patient person. Oh, I know whenever I'm, you know, on the podcast or, you know, teaching a sermon or whatever, like, you know, people just assume that, uh, that person has it together, but you and I, we, we try to confess something. We try to, we try to be honest because we don't have it all together. We're, we're working through this. You even said you've, you know, we never arrive. I totally agree. And, and so with the same amount of patience that God has toward us, we need to be able to share that patience or have that patience towards other people. That does not mean, and I, I, I just want to be super clear, that does not mean you need to stay in an abusive situation, but that does mean patience may require you to, to love that person through their sin um, or in their sin. And sometimes the most loving thing you can do is to, um, after you've had the conversations, after you've attempted church discipline, like Matthew 18 instructs us, You've done the things that you can out of love. Then the next thing may need to be to withdraw and and look for a different place to to gather with other believers.
0: Oh, that's so good. If we go back to King Saul, that was so good, Jed. Think of David. He's under a narcissistic leader. What does he do? He continues to give Saul a chance for a chance. Even when Saul tries to spear the guy, he comes back, plays the music to help Saul. Like he does this multiple times. So he's patient with Saul, right? And then when he's, he leaves, when it gets really rough, right, he escapes. So he's not just sitting around to get beat up and abused. He gets out of town. And Then it's clear that God's blessings on David is not on Saul. And we see that very clear. And so I think it was just a very good picture of David of sticking around, patient, like letting God use him with the music we see there with Saul, with that, that, that spirit that comes on Saul. But then, when David knows like it's time to leave, I can get out of here because I'm getting like I'm literally getting killed here. He leaves. He flees. He even gets even gets chased by this guy.
1: So, listeners, we don't know where you're at in the situation. We don't know what you're experiencing from a narcissistic leader or not, or what you're experiencing within yourself with narcissistic tendencies, which we all have to some degree. But what we do want to do is encourage you to consistently. Uh, seek for for wisdom from what God teaches through His word in the book of James. We are reminded if we ask for wisdom, God will give it to us without restraint. He'll give it to us liberally. But again uh, what we want to do is to build into the church and what God is doing and that's our desire. and we want to encourage you if this episode has helped you, if you hit like, hit subscribe, then you never miss any of our other episodes. But if there's somebody in your life that you know could benefit from this episode, we do want to invite you to share that with them so that hopefully God can use that in a, in a way to help them continue to heal and work through uh, different, different and difficult circumstances in their life. Alex, anything else before we sign off today?
0: No, God bless.
1: God bless.